listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Thursday, the 13th of October 2022. Later, we'll preview the US inflation report due out later tonight. But first, to rents which have reached record highs. Domain says the median rental price for a house rose 1.9% in the September quarter, $530 per week, that's nationally. But for a unit, that growth is outpacing homes, up by 6.5% to $490 per week. The thing is, prices are likely to continue to rise. To find out more and why, I spoke earlier with Domain's Nicola Powell. Rents are at a record high, and it's actually the longest continuous stretch of rental price growth that we've seen across our combined capital cities. It's been really a result of a mismatch between supply and demand. When you have a look at those demand pressures, it is a combination of factors. It's the lack of affordable home ownership, which means tenants are renting for longer because they just can't break into the housing market. I think changing household formation as well. But also we've got the return of overseas migrants, skilled migrants into Australia, international students, and we've also got tourism resuming. On the supply side of things, There's a number of reasons as well. We've got delays in building completions due to supply chain issues. We've had weaker investment activity, but also we've seen the conversion of some of those long-term properties to the lucrative short-term rental market, which is really impacting uh, the supply side. What about the difference between the pace of growth between units and homes? Because unit growth, rental prices are, are faster than homes now. Isn't that right? So a new trend that we've found is that unit rents are rising at a faster pace than house rents. What we've seen is unit rents saw the biggest decline in asking rent during the pandemic. It's recouped all that was lost during that pandemic dip, and we are seeing unit rents escalate at a more rapid pace. I think probably it's due to an affordability ceiling being met by tenants unable to afford renting a house, diverting some of that demand towards units. But when you have a look towards the different areas that are seeing the strongest rates of rental price growth. It really is concentrated towards our inner city areas, particularly in Sydney and Melbourne. These were the areas that saw the biggest dips during the pandemic. And, you know, it really does reflect that return in flow of people from overseas. And, you know, most overseas migrants do rent upon arrival and that's weighing in on our rental markets. You mentioned the supply and demand dynamic. Are we building enough rental stock? The vacancy rate across our combined capitals is at a record low. And what we've got at the moment is a record low number of available rentals. So that really says that we're not supplying enough rental stock on the market. I think there's other things as well. We're not building enough social housing. I think what we've got are people that should be in social housing are actually renting in the private rental market, which puts additional demand on those rental prices. Final couple of questions. Interest rates are rising. What's the role of rising rates in the rental market? So I think, you know, the the strain on the rental market is really due to this mismatch between supply and demand. Rising interest rates are obviously an additional cost for landlords. And I think it does depend upon whether that investment property is positively or negatively geared. Some landlords that are sensitive to changes in their cash flow will likely be passing on those additional costs in the form of higher rents. So all up, what's the outlook for rents? 
We have got a record low vacancy rate, so that does indicate that it's still tight rental conditions. We've got that across all of our capital cities. What we're likely to see are rents are going to continue to rise. And I think particularly when you have a look at overseas migration, which is continuing to ramp up, there's lots of demand pressure that is still there that's going to continue to escalate. Nicola Powell there from Domain. To the Australian share market now, and the corporate story of the day was Qantas, saying it will return to profitability uh, after five consecutive halves of heavy losses. It says it expects uh, a first half underlying profit of as much as $1.3 billion. Uh, but the share market, uh, its shares rose 8.7%. So investors really liking the news. But the overall share market was broadly flat. The S&P is 6,642. Uh, that's down 0.07%. The main reason for the inactivity is because investors are really waiting for a very important piece of economic data. That is the US inflation report, which is due later tonight. And for more on that and to get his thoughts and what to expect and how it may impact the market tomorrow and ongoing. I spoke earlier with Chris Weston from Pepperstone. Well, the market's expecting inflation on a headline basis to come down to 8.1%. But what's most important, Ricardo, is that core inflation, the sticky inflation, the backbone of this is expected to actually increase to 6.5%. If that was to come to fruition, there's absolutely no doubt that the, the Federal Reserve at their second of November Fed meeting are going to raise by 75 basis points and probably be on target for another 50 basis points or, or half a percentage point uh, in the December meeting going forward. There is no economic data point that's more important to the global economy than the US CPI number. So everyone's sitting on their hands. What if this is a hot number? What if core CPI is above 6.6%? The following day, we could see risk aversion coming through, liquidations playing through, the dollar would rally, equity markets would go down. Uh, so the question is, is what if? And if in that situation, of course, we, we sit on our hands. So of course, we want to see uh, headline inflation below 8%. We want to see core inflation below 6.3%. In that case, we could be looking for a, a big risk on rally tomorrow. Okay, let's now talk about currencies in more detail. As you touched on, the Australian dollar is at a two and a half year low against the US. You've got that interest rate differential growing, while the US Federal Reserve is lifting rates at a faster pace than Australia. We saw the RBA lift rates less than expected the last time. Like you mentioned as well, slower economic growth means uh, lower commodity prices because of slowing demand from China. What does this all mean for the Australian dollar against the US? It hasn't been good. It's been a it's been a whole cacophony of reasons to sell. I mean, right now we're looking at a much weaker tape coming through in Chinese and Hong Kong equities, and we've got a very strong correlation between the Aussie dollar and, and what we're seeing in, in in Asia equities more broadly. But the global growth thematic is is why we're selling the Aussie dollar. There's no concerns now that it's not just even a recession. You know, that's now a commonplace. It's, it's now a consensus view that we're going to get a global recession. The question investors are asking now is, is, is something going to break? Is there going to be a problem in, in the financial system? And of course, in that situation, we sell our greatest risk proxy, which is the Australian dollar. So the Australian dollar is a not necessary reflection of, of, of what's happening in the domestic market, what's happening in the Australian economy. It's just a proxy for hedging out that, that risk about global growth, concerns about over-tightening and ultimately liquidity in the financial system. Chris Weston there from Pepperstone. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decisions.